Welcome to The Pestle, reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by adolescents. Boy, I sure don't miss that. Let's dim the lights and start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Head On. See Vincent Chase in his breakout action film, Head On, in theaters this Christmas. Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is the movie talk show where we talk movies i guess that's good i like it yeah it's, it's very the, on the nose yeah <laughs> well yeah, we like to just kind of break apart a film and see what it's like from filmmaker perspectives and you know not just trying to analyze you know the uh, cinematography or whatnot but even diving into the story what does it mean and what are the influences of it that are just impressions? Why, why did they make it in the first place? Yeah. Sometimes that actually is a really good question. Yeah. Um, like even today's movie, I kind of have that question. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, sure. And on that level, what are we doing today? Uh, we're going to cover Drive. So if you have not seen it, uh, please pause this and make sure to go watch it. There's multiple different drives so this, True. Is, this is the one with ryan gosling that was uh when did it come out uh 2011, 2011? Yeah. yeah uh so yeah pause this because we're gonna have spoilers galore uh and there are quite a few spoilers in this film so uh yeah make sure to watch that before you listen good idea we're gonna talk about a few things colors and we'll talk about the allegory of drive uh, which actually I think goes hand in hand with the colors and we'll discuss a little bit of cinematography and other such I don't know, stuff and things and stuff. Yeah, and things. Uh, so, uh, quick synopsis of the film. A mysterious Hollywood stuntman and mechanic moonlights as a getaway driver and finds himself in trouble when he helps out his neighbor. It's directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Screenplay by Hassan Amini. It's based off the book by James Salas, which is surprising. I did not know that. It's starring Ryan Gosling as dr- as the driver. Um Carrie Mulligan as Irene, Brian Cranston as Shannon, Albert Brooks as Bernie Rose, Oscar Isaac as Standard, Christina Hendricks as Blanche, and Ron Perlman as Nino. Can I call a cab from you? Yeah, sure. What am I talking about? You and the kid are neighbors, right? You can take it. Oh, no, I feel bad. No, no, don't even think twice about it. He'd be happy to do it. He's a good guy. You know, he walked into my shop here about five or six years ago, uh, right out of the blue, asking for a job. So I put him to the test, see what he could do. Kid's amazing. So I hire him on the spot. Boom. At about half the wages I normally pay. He didn't blink an eye. Hey, kid, come over here for a second, will you? And I have been exploiting him ever since. (laughs) Shh, don't tell him. It looks like we have a bigger problem than I thought. We're going to have to keep the car here for a few days. So I offered your services to take Benicio and Irene home. That be okay? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't have wheels in my car. <laughs> okay. That's one thing you should know about me. We'll put the tires on. You got five minutes? Brian Cranston. Mm-hmm. I always forget that he's in this movie. Yeah. Because he is the character. Yeah. He could make any line just sing off the page. Yeah. Why is that? I have no idea. Like, he just inhabits the the world. And I don't know. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't really have any great answer to that. It's one of those things, if you could bottle it up, you know, actors everywhere would buy the hell out of it. Yeah, I mean, this this guy, this older guy who started on Malcolm in the Middle, was that his start? <laughs> That's what I feel like. I, I mean, let's just, let's just say, yeah. it's one of the, the things about acting that's so great is that it doesn't matter how old you are or what ethnicity and for a lot of cases maybe maybe some but those lines are blurring thankfully it, it it's just you know if you're good and if you're good and you you get the right opportunities you can really make a dent man so um and he's such a great example of that you know like an, an older guy uh, getting into it and through comedy just nailing that i mean he was that show yeah and and it's like basically like the Simpsons, but real life, right? <laughs> and and he's Homer. Um, That's such a good analogy. Yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, and to go from that to you know Breaking Bad and 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 just be able to prove that you can do pretty much anything is it's just a statement on acting in general as a whole. Yeah. You know, and yeah, he's incredible. And remember, we we warned you about spoilers. Uh, <laughs> when he, when he dies, mm. like you feel like your father died almost, you yeah. know, like, and when, when Gosling's character finds him, I mean, you you feel that pretty, pretty heavily and he's not, and, and Cranston is not even in the movie very much. No, that's so true. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's a character in it, but not mm. like, you know, he's not in every scene or even every other scene. Right. Yeah. He's just sprinkled in, yeah. which I bet they were able to shoot his part in like a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, yeah, he probably yeah. has a good, you know, six or seven scenes and shoot two or three in a day. And he's there for two or three days and call it. And, you know, I, I think the casting on this was really good because the juxtaposition between his character, uh, the way his character is played and the way Gosling plays his character are they're total opposites. Right. And you see this immediately and it's, it's partially you know, just the way, well, whatever it's, it's the way that, that Cranston plays his role as the father figure basically for Gosling. But he also has this longing to like, almost like Gosling is what he could have been before he got hurt. You know, you know what I mean? And he sees that in, in Gosling's character. And so he nurtures it. He tries to nurture it and he tries to like, you know, he goes and tries to get money to fund them getting the car, you know, like, and that wasn't just, that wasn't just for himself, right? Not just exploiting it, but it wasn't just for Gosling. It was for himself too. And, and, and he plays it like this, you know, very excitable, you know, a lot of energy, you know, kind of, kind of dude. And, uh, and Gosling's character is obviously is very stoic and barely says anything. Just total opposite. (laughs) I feel like, you know, and that's why it works. Totally. And yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely right. I mean, you have all this kind of dead space, this dead air, and then you inject all this life into it and you can't help but be drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Even though he's mm-hmm. just, you know, a jackass, like his yeah, character, yeah. right? Screws up everything and yeah. like really bad at being smarmy. You know, yeah. he's just, uh, he just cannot catch a good break. And, or as Bernie says, you know, he's just unlucky. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, you completely empathize with that character because you're also kind of rooting for him. And you even hear the way he jokes about exploiting, you know, the driver. And but he, you don't 100% believe it. You're like, you know what? Yeah, you say that, and you probably do take a little bit of advantage. But 
I also think, you know, you're, you're looking out for yeah, him you too. Yeah, you take care of him yeah. too. Yeah. And God, yeah. So pretty much anything he does, I've always, I'm constantly drawn to now. And I was just kind of skimming through his credits. Mm-hmm. This guy's got like a crazy rap sheet. Yeah, this is insane. Yeah, it goes back to the 80s, really. Holy cow. <laughs> like bit parts. And you just never know when it's going to be your time. Yeah, yeah. If you hang in there long enough, I think a lot of success kind of depends on just hanging in long enough mm-hmm. and just being the last man standing yeah. because I mean, there's the old adage of it's not crowded on the ladder. It's crowded at the bottom of the ladder. Mm. You know, it's just a matter of making your way to a few rungs and then suddenly, you know, the sky's the limit. Yeah. And I don't know what he had to do to get to where he is today, but man, looks like a lot. It looks like a lot. <laughs> I mean, you know, he started, it looks like his first credit is in, well, as a baby, probably. 68, yeah. yeah. Uh, his first real credit is in 1980, but he didn't get Malcolm in the Middle until when, when is that? 2000s? Yeah, it had to be. My God, King of Queens. Oh, wow. Yeah, 2000 to 2006. Jeez. So 20 years of credits before he got Malcolm in the Middle. Just grinding. Yeah, you know. But, you know, that, that being said, like there's obviously a, a million other things that has to happen in between there, those two things. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of hard work and there's a lot of making connections and yeah. I can only imagine the roles that if we were to sit down with him and say, what roles did you audition for that you didn't get? Oh, it would I be mean, a, a who's who list. Yeah. yeah. Um, no idea, but it would be absolutely insane because I just know my own friends that have auditioned for really, really big parts. And, you know, just narrowly missing out. Yeah, I had callbacks on whatever, uh, straight out of Compton. And, you know, I didn't I didn't book the part of Easy E. It's like, that's a really big part. And no one knows who you are. And so and no one knew who that guy was either before he booked that part. Mm-hmm. It's just always that one step away from success if you just keep pushing. Yeah. Um, and it kind of recalls that. And I know we're going on a lot about this, but as someone, you know, who's trying to make it like, I relate to this idea of this picture of two guys digging tunnels and they're both, you know, trying to find their diamond. And one guy is walking away and he's like an inch, one more swing of the ax. And, you know, he breaks in into his room full of diamonds and the guy above him is like still far away and still pushing. And it's like, you just don't know how close you are. Mm -hmm. Um, so if it's not time to quit, don't quit. Like, yeah. And the one thing that I will add to that, because I know, I know what you're talking about and it's awesome. Um, we should put it in the show notes. Um, the the one thing I'm, that I want to add to that is that, you know, if you're doing it, it depends on why you're doing it too. If you're doing it for the sake of yeah. making it, quote unquote, then that that by inherently is reliant upon other people having a stake in your future. Basically, basically, you're relying on other people to give you your shot. Yeah. And if that happens, you're never going to make it. Yep. You know what I mean? Like if you if you're if you're just like I'm just going to keep going auditions and and maybe I'll book it, maybe I'll book it, then that that's letting the universe that you're you're telling you you're basically sitting down and praying that something will happen instead of actually going out and doing it, you know, make your own films, write your own things, like make your own music, do whatever, but do it yourself in the way that you want to do it to be true to your art. And then, you know, what you're putting out in the universe will come back to you. And it sounds, maybe sounds like cheesy, 
but it's so true, right? Because mm-hmm. people doing it for the wrong reasons, yes, some of them make it. Absolutely. But they never last. They never last. Right? It's the people, it's the Freddie Mercury's yeah. that do it for the music that that are timeless, you know? And, and so just make sure, you know, while you're busting ass and ne- not quitting that you're doing it because you love it. And that's the main reason. I yeah. had this great conversation with our buddy, Aaron Alexander, mm-hmm. um, who's in LA and he's kicking ass both metaphorically and literally like mm-hmm. he's a stunt choreographer on top of being a, an amazing actor. But we were grabbing lunch one day and he's like, man, I was having this conversation and I'm just going to pose the question to you before I get into my answer. And he said, what would you do if you hit the lottery, like the Powerball $300 million lottery? I was like, are you kidding me? Dude, that's like, I don't know, how many, how 75 movies. movies. Yeah. <laughs> I can make so many movies with that. And he's like, and he just kind of slaps his hands. He's like, that's what I'm talking about. I was on set with these other guys and they were like, man, if I want, I'd buy an island or I'd go, you know, travel around the world. I'd buy a yacht and da 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 da. And Aaron was like, man, I'm confused. Why are y'all here? Yeah. <laughs> this is the dreamer spot. Like, if you're not like wholeheartedly in love with this, then. Like you better be damn good at doing it because mm-hmm. you know this isn't something that most people can do and make a lot of a living on. Yeah, like this is something that you do with all of your heart. Or like I don't one hundred percent understand why you're because I think the set specific set that it was on was like a film set. I don't know, maybe even doing extra work. And he's like, "There's no, there's no point in being around here. You're not making." any money doing yeah this. it's not for the money <laughs> yeah. for sure yeah and it was like i don't get it and same man it's like i cannot imagine winning that much money and doing anything else with my life other than what i'm already doing mm-hmm. just doing it much better <laughs> yeah absolutely much higher budgets <laughs> much higher budgets bro can i say are you looking at his filmography right now who's brian's yeah yeah do you see the rumored uh, in pre-production uncharted no way yeah i'll bet he's sully oh man the old guy oh that's perfect i just finished uncharted 4 by the way (laughs) we're totally off topic i know but just saying (laughs) we are driving away (laughs) okay i'll see so yeah okay well i don't know the last time you saw this but what was it like watching it this time did it still feel as violent as the first time um or does it ever kind of dial back from the no it's pretty violent um i don't really know how to speak to the violence per Mm -hmm. se because it's it i mean violence is violence it's going to happen in in movies and um it it does happen like sporadically like yeah violence and then nothing and then violence you know but so when it does i feel like it's pretty brutal you know in in every way but i feel like it's it's supposed to be that way it's supposed to be like very nice edge and then and then you know goes back to dull and slow and quiet but like very sharp yeah um but the movie in general i it felt i mean it had been several years before you know since i'd seen it but it felt very similar to watching it the first time like i didn't feel like i didn't really feel like i caught anything new mm-hmm. but i didn't miss anything either yeah. you know like the scene with with the when the girl gets her head blown off in the in the bathroom oh god that was very close call to my son actually seeing it Ooh. very close call yeah yeah my my wife got really upset and I, we were i was asking my son, he's five my son's yeah. five 
So that would have been really bad on my part. But I kept asking, did you see it? Did you see anything? Did you see? And he said, no, I didn't see anything. And I, he's very sensitive. Yeah, he is. I really think he would have tell me yeah. or he would have had a bad dream if he would have seen anything. Anyway, that being said, I really loved it. I really enjoyed it. And it was 100% because of uh, Gosling's performance. Yeah. I just, you, there's nobody else that can do silence like that guy. <laughs> Um, or just do flat mm-hmm. because it's not flat. Do you, his acting? Do you know what I mean? Like his silence says more than any word on the page could have could say. He has such this this way of like doing these tiny little, have just having something behind his face. Uh, it's really hard to explain. It is no, awesome. I know exactly what you mean because it, sometimes it's just as much what you don't say in a relationship that begins to speak volumes. And with him, it's usually whenever he doesn't respond that you can feel what he's thinking. Yeah. And maybe my favorite moment of the whole film where he does that is when, uh, right after standard gets his head kicked in and they're back at his place and he's in his bathroom and driver asks him, uh, who are those guys? And, Standard starts to try to dress him down. And he's like, man, what do you care? Hollywood stuntman. Well, you're going to save the day. And Gosling just stares him down. He's, I'm waiting for my answer. Yeah. You don't want to me. It's all right there without saying a word. Yeah. And he breaks. He's like, those are guys from the inside. <laughs> he just owns it all. I mean, does that, does, is this not a perfect example? And maybe that's because we talked, we mentioned earlier, why the hell do you make this movie? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe the reason is to, is, or one of the reasons could be just to show the power behind silence and mm-hmm. not running your damn mouth and, you know, giving people like telling people what they need to know without telling them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, that's a, that seems a perfect example of that. You know, he basically told that guy, don't fuck around with me, man. Just <laughs> tell me. And the guy just told him without even saying any words. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. Like I think the gold, one of the golden rules is supposed to be in film uh, is show me, don't tell me. And that can sometimes be strained a little bit much. I know, especially younger filmmakers are trying to live by that rule without, uh, and they're bending over so far backwards that you do neither. You're not showing me anything. You're not telling me anything through your visual, you know, communication. And you walk away confused and like, I don't really understand what happened in that moment. Whereas here, I mean, it's absolute perfection. It's we're showing you, you know, where this guy's head is at and we're showing you uh, what he wants to do without ever. And some of it's kind of implied through the edit and through the visual communication of we're watching the world through his eyes, through the driver's eyes, uh, because too often we'll cut to him and we might linger there for a minute, uh, depending on the scene and the shot, but we'll kind of cut back to what he's really focused on. What is he thinking about? I mean, just that opening sequence where he's doing the getaway from whatever those guys robbed. And a lot of time we spend looking at the road. We're kind of embodying him and what he's seeing. And those moments are so good because the things that he does are so unconventional, right? Where he just kind of slowly stops at a stoplight behind a cop (laughs) and the guys, and we, our reaction is embodied through his, uh, passengers. Yeah. 
right? Because they're freaking out. They're like, what is it? And they're just silent. Yeah, they're like, just, don't is, breathe. Yeah. <laughs> they might hear us. Yeah. Like, and it's just amazing visual communication. And I think reliant on, certainly on your actors, but also just believing in the story that you're telling and saying, I know what this is going to communicate to the audience. That's a really hard line to to toe because mm-hmm. you get nervous. I know in certain, especially earlier, um, whenever we did Threads, uh, this music video that is a short film told without any dialogue. Like, I don't know if we really have any dialogue in there. Some in the beginning. A little bit in the beginning? Yeah. Okay. So... 95% let's say mm-hmm. is pure visual communication. And I got nervous several times in the editing. Cause I was like on set and then pre-production, I knew what the story I was telling. I knew this is what we're going to make. And here's the way it's going to be communicated to the audience. It's all going to make sense. And then you get into editing and you're like, God, I don't know. Do people understand? Yeah. <laughs> and so I would have to sit down. I remember I sat down with Carrie just to show her the edit. And I was like, Hey, we do you, do you have, for 15 minutes minutes. (laughs) to sit through this and i'm just gonna have like two questions afterwards so and really i just have one question i don't want her to know that though Uh, so we sit down i'm like okay uh can you just tell me what happened like what happened in the story oh well this guy was trying to help this guy and this happened and i was like great thanks that's all i got (laughs) i just needed to know did you can you communicate back to me what you just saw and in story form. And I feel like they have to have done that throughout this film of just committing to, I believe this is happening. I need a clean slate. Mm -hmm. I need someone to come in and that's where test screenings can really help you a lot. But I know it can also drive you crazy because if you get, I don't want to say stupid audience members, (laughs) but you can get people that, you know, aren't as sharp or maybe they're not paying attention. And so I think it helps to have people in your corner that will pay attention and will give you an honest response instead of just kind of fumbling their way through it and saying, Hey man, do you mind sitting over here and just telling me what you see? Cool. What did you see? And you learned so much through that. And so here, man, I just, I can just only imagine how many times that they felt like, is this hitting home? Especially if you got a big studio waiting behind you, which mm-hmm. they probably didn't. This is probably a smaller budget film, which I'll look up in a second, but yeah. that's gotta be nerve wracking Yeah, to really believe in yourself. I know, right? <laughs> On an hour and 40 minute film and just trust. Yeah, we got it. There's like, two sentences throughout the entire movie, but we got this. (laughs) Yeah. Like the, the, the really slow stuff where he just stares at Carrie Mulligan sitting in the window when he's sitting in the window, like that moment as a beautiful moment, he can have that. And then he could also have the bathroom moment where he's staring at her husband. (laughs) You know, that's, that's all about relying on your actors, you know, and, and relying on your, your own eye to make sure that, yep. I see it in there, you know, mm-hmm. because it's one thing to see it in the camera. It's another thing to actually, you know, see it in the edit. Yeah, that does take a lot of empathy mm-hmm. to know when this moment is being communicated. Mm-hmm. And whenever you feel it, then it's like, okay, if I'm feeling it, the audience is going to feel it. Because hopefully, historically, I've got that track record behind me that says I know when I'm, when I'm feeling a thing. Yeah. And by the way, this was a $15 million production budget, mm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's attainable. Yeah. Um, so on that level, I really love the pacing of this film. 
Like mm-hmm. it's so slow throughout, right? The slow build up of the love, of the love story. Um, like the first time we even see Irene is like we just kind of walk right by her in yeah. the garage, right? Yeah. Um, she's getting off the elevator, and that elevator seems to be very pivotal in the film. I couldn't tell you why. Like I'm sure there's some deeper symbology going on, but the next time we see her again is in the elevator. And that's when they kind of meet. They don't say anything. They just kind of sit there in silence together. Um, And that's when he finds out that she's my next door neighbor. But then of course the big kiss, the only kiss that they have is also in the elevator. Um, Of course it's preceded um, with right before violence, (laughs) severe, severe. Like I feel like that's why he kissed her in that moment. Was he like, kissed her goodbye. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you're right. This is my kiss goodbye because you're never going to look at me the same way after I do what I'm about to do. Yeah, but I have to do it to protect you. Yes. Yeah. How, man, I don't even know how to wrap my head around that. Yeah. That's like a different kind of love. Mm-hmm. Oof. The other cool thing is that, you know, going back to the violence, um, and it kind of echoes with what we were saying before about Shannon and the driver, they're kind of yin and yang to each other. The silence to the Gabby mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is also the that slow pacing throughout, and you're constantly just slowly moving. It's not just the stories unfolding slowly, but all the movements. It's very long, lengthy shots and looks, and then you suddenly inject violence into that and car racing. And it adds so much more weight to those moments. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, these things are just out of hand and it's just overwhelming you because of everything that it took to get there. Yeah. You know, it kind of betrays all of it. Right. And suddenly it's like, oh, that's not just a little bit of, you know, of a headshot. And that's like we're seeing her entire head come apart. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, I the, didn't remember that. <laughs> yeah. I always forget that moment. Yeah. How oh, many times have you seen this movie? Oof. A lot. Really? Yeah. I oh, probably man. watch it at least once a year. Oh, geez. Yeah. Maybe, maybe once or twice. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a really good film. It is. And uh, I, I was kind of dreading watching it this time. I was like, man, I don't know if I feel like watching it. And I don't know. It takes maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> and oh, I'm yeah. like, I cannot stop watching this. Yeah, dude. It's so good. <laughs> and I use the soundtrack all the time for like workouts mm-hmm. and just editing sometimes if I need something to kind of groove to. It's one of my go to soundtracks. It's amazing. Yeah. God. Human beings. God, what a great song. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. And it's crazy because this film was very different in its time. Like 2011, you think, yeah, everybody was kind of doing electronic. Nobody was doing this 80s electronic thing. Um, It just kind of took you by surprise. And then the color scheme with like this bright, shocking pink of the the title sequence, you're sitting like, what am I watching right now? I remember thinking, what is this movie? I'm not going to see this movie. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But it's phenomenal now there's a really cool breakdown if you've never heard of every frame of painting i'm going to link to it in the show notes they do this really cool breakdown of the use of quadrants or i think of it more as halves uh you've probably heard of the rule of thirds where if you kind of separate the film the composition into like a tic-tac-toe grid then you kind of have thirds sitting all, all along the screen well there's another way to to kind of tackle that and that's in quadrants where you just split it into four, like right down the middle, uh, a slice down the middle, a slice lengthwise, and you have four quadrants. And so this 
uh, guy, every frame of painting does a really magical job of analyzing a couple of the shots. And I'm just going to link to it and embed it into the uh, show notes, uh, the pestlepodcast.com slash drive. Go watch it. I think it's really worth seeing and a really good look at some of the cinematography. But I want to talk about a few other things. There's a section, uh, you keep me under your spell whenever Standard gets home, right? His uh, welcome home party. And it's kind of cool because as he's given a speech and right after we finish, we kind of intercut Irene with the driver. And within the frame, within the composition, they're kind of taking up the same space in the frame, which is uh, connecting them. And in the hallway, and I'm really sorry if I'm trampling any of the every frame of painting. I haven't watched that in like years. So if I'm find that like just repeating something I heard a long time ago that I'm sorry. And that's really cool too, because it's, that's how effective he was maybe, <laughs> or this yeah. is stuff I noticed. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but they, they link them that way. It's really cool because if you cut from one person to another and they're within the same space, your eye never really moves. And so you feel them a little bit closer, even though they're not in the same frame. It's kind of a clever composition and editing trick to make you connect to characters much stronger than you otherwise would have. But what I like even more than that is right after that in the hallway, they're framed very interesting. So when we're on the driver, he's framed to the far left, like he's looking camera left and he's framed right up against the edge. So he's like looking straight into the, the end of the, the, the edge of the composition. And when we cut back to Irene, She's the exact opposite. She's framed up on the right side of the frame looking to the right. And so they're kind of looking to each other and it's like they're trying to get to each other, but they're separated by something. And of course, that something is now her husband who's returned from jail. But it's this really clever way to make them kind of yearn and reach across to each other, even though there's a big separation. But what's really cool is standard enters the frame. And now he's taking up those outer edges of the frame. He walks into her frame and he's taking up that outer edge. And then he walks across her frame into his frame. And not only is he taking up that outer edge, but it's kind of cool because he's taking out the trash, right? And he opens that door and a shadow like blasts into the hallway and it's looming over him, over the driver. And then even whenever he shuts the door, there's a, that, window in the door that even after he exits it's like there's a a prison just from that lighting cue Mm. coming from the outside and it's like there's this box and it feels very prison like to me and he feels like either she's trapped because if you were to reverse cut back to her shot it's like she would be within that little like prison box or what what have you or it's like he can't get out maybe I don't know. There's a lot of interesting visual language that's happening there. A lot of people are trapped. I mean, he's trapped. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And fast forwarding to that, going back to Blanche, where the woman gets uh, destroyed in the hotel. This is right after that heist uh, gone wrong, of course. And there's a use of a mirror here. We have a mirror shot of Blanche and the driver, but the driver's only in the mirror. We have Blanche in the foreground and we can see her reflection. And that's always a really interesting thing because this is usually anytime someone incorporates mirrors, they're trying to suggest there's more than one side to this person. And with her, of course, we find out that she was in on a bigger game plan. 
to rob and then steal the the, the money or whatever. But what's kind of cool is after the news report, right? He goes, he sits down, he listens to the story of Standard, you know, just got killed. And now he walks back over to Blanche. And this is cool because now we're on the other side of the bed. And on the very edge of the frame on the other side of the bed is another mirror. It's a much smaller mirror. We don't see anything in it until he starts confronting her. And he's like, you're going to tell me what's going on. She's like, I don't know what you mean. And then he just backhands her. And she flies onto the bed. And that's when we she, she shows up in the mirror. And it's like, now we're going to get to the truth and her real side. Mm-hmm. And it took violence to get there, which is really jacked up. But, I mean, I guess if your life is at stake, what wouldn't you do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not just his, but... Yeah, hers too at this point, yeah. yeah. And, of course, Irene and the kid. Mm-hmm. And then there's this really simple basic shot i feel like every movie does it at least once which is we dolly into the driver as he realizes they're surrounded someone's about to come in through the door and it's perfect because it's you do these kind of shots it's a realization shot where you slowly dolly in as they look around or they furrow their brow or something right it's like the real the dawning of light is hitting this character exactly and it's perfect but what happens after that maybe less perfect it's extreme violence that ensues and we suddenly have blood everywhere now this is where i want to start talking about color because throughout this film we are really looking at orange and teal now this is a very classic color scheme where it's a michael bay color scheme even right it's just such a simple use orange and teal because they look really interesting they're dynamic with each other but they're also complementary colors on the uh, the color wheel and so you always feel drawn it just feels i don't know cinematic if you will well here i like the way they use it because it's not just and i had to i probably got halfway through the film before i realized what they were trying to do um, or what they were doing <laughs> let me remove the try um and it's that the teal i think represents peace or what Ryan Gosling is trying to be, the orange representing violence. And throughout the most of the movie, we have the driver trying to stay out of the orange. He's constantly within the teal. And that goes from whenever we're in her apartment, her walls. If you just, just do that, watch this movie and think about orange and teal, you're going to be like blown over by all of it. It's just everywhere it's in their clothing it's on the wallpaper it's in the lighting it's absolutely everywhere about the only place it isn't sometimes is like standard and i think that's because he doesn't really fit and same thing with nino i think nino sometimes is wearing like purple he still wears some orange but nino standard they seem to be somewhat of the odd men out most of the time not all the time but the driver, I think, is having this issue with staying out of the violent side. And we'll get to why that is here in a second. But right after that scene of absolute violence where she gets killed and then he just destroys everyone around him. And now he's bathed in orange. And it feels like he spent that whole movie trying to stay in teal and stay out of the orange. And now he's being pulled into the orange and he cannot stop the violence. He's going to do whatever it takes to get to keep her, you know, out of violent, uh, out of the violence. And he's also going to do whatever he can in order to get back away from the violence. And so the driver at the next section, right, is he's going to cook 
to that guy. And this is the guy in the, uh, the strip club, I guess. And the one that originally set up the deal, the, uh, the heist, if you will. And so whenever God, uh, the driver, <laughs> whenever the driver walks into the, uh, the strip club, he's walking down this teal hallway that's when he's talking to the uh, the stripper. He's like, hey, where's Cook? And she's just kind of, well, whatever, he's over there. And then we've sat this whole time at the long end of the of the hallway. And then we just pan over. Yeah. And it goes from teal to red and orange. And we're entering a whole other world. And that's whenever he has the hammer, right? And he just absolutely takes him down. <laughs> yeah, it, That whole scene is like pure red and orange. And it's just rough. And from there, it's just Orange City. Like, we go to the uh, the elevator sequence. That's when Nino is like, you're not very good at this, are you? And he looks at his buddy and, and his pizzeria and is like, go find out what this guy's about. And this yeah. guy, he's like, yeah, I'm going to handle business. And he's sitting in the elevator. Oh, go, wrong floor. <laughs> this doesn't end well for you, no, buddy. No, buddy. <laughs> and that, the, the elevator is like orange. Yeah. And... He kisses the girl and then utter destruction. And what's really cool after that scene plays out is we see his orange scorpion on the back of his jacket. And of course, he's now a little bit caked in blood. And what I love about the scene is she steps off the elevator and into the teal garage. That garage is just beautifully lit up in teal. Yeah. He stays on the orange elevator. This is where he loves now. Mm-hmm. This is what he's got to do to keep her where she's at. And, of course, we go into uh, Bernie's house. This is right before they meet. Um, and after he's destroyed Shannon, right? He's cut his wrist open. He's cleaning the blood off. Puts it in his nice knife case. And we see his house is nothing but orange. Like, he's backlit with these hallway lights that are all orange. And this movie is screaming to you in color. Now, in Route to Kill Nino, the streets are really orange. We have this aerial view of the car driving down the highway and those streets are nothing but orange Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and terrifying. And of course, after the wreck, Bernie's driver gets out of the car and he walks away from like this teal background into an orange background. I mean, all this stuff is so simple, but most of it, well, here in a second, I'll, I'll touch on another thing that's kind of funny about it, but okay. So he kills Bernie or, uh, Nino and now he's on the phone with, with Bernie. And I was thinking this throughout the whole movie, and it was probably because of the scene. But he says, are you familiar with the story of the scorpion and the strong? Your friend Nino didn't make it. And if you're not familiar with that story, the short version, I don't know if there is a short version, but it's basically this. There's a scorpion and a frog. A scorpion says, hey, I want to cross this river. Do you mind if I ride on your back? And then the frog's right. like, no, nah, you're going to sting me. He's like, no, 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 no. I just... Just give me a ride. I won't sting you. And, you know, you'll do me a solid. I'll owe you one. He's like, no, you're going to freaking sting me. You're a scorpion. He's like, just trust me this once. All right, cool. So he jumps on his back. And they get about halfway across the river. And he stings them. He's like, what the hell did you do that for? He's like, well, I am what I am. And they both die. <laughs> and they both die. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the story that they're telling here. And they're telling it through color. The scorpion is orange, the frog is teal or green, and they're just constantly referencing these two sides of life. You have someone who's trying to not be what he is, which is the driver. He's a scorpion, and he's doing everything in his power to not be what he what he really is, and everyone's just dragging him into it. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's surrounded by other scorpions, and he's trying to trust them, and of course, 
they are what they are. Mm. And so that's more or less what we get right after killing Bernie. And that, I, I love that sequence. I love out of seek out of sequence edits where you're in one place and you're watching another section of the story. It doesn't matter if it's the past or in the future. I mean, it's even better if it's the future, but I love that. I have like story ideas built around just that concept. And I love seeing, yeah, you're going to look up in your life and you're going to know not everything's going to. And of course, like five minutes later, he's stabbing them in the back yeah, <laughs> or yeah, in the stomach. In the stomach right? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you're a scorpion buddy. Yeah. And, what what do you like the uh, and so okay let me finish this last five seconds he escapes after that onto a teal road that's him driving away and of course irene is saying goodbye in her way and as he's driving through he's finally getting back into the teal road but we're getting these little shocks of orange uh hitting his window and it's just like constantly Every few seconds, a little shock of orange. He's still a scorpion. It's still there. He's trying to get away from it. But what I find funny about it is that's completely unmotivated lighting, by the way. <laughs> There's nothing casting that orange light. Like, he's just in the middle of nowhere on these back roads. There's no street light. But oh. we're so used to street light lighting that we don't really notice it. It doesn't take us out of the story at all. And that's <laughs> a really bold move. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then the other, I guess the other random throwaway thing that you would appreciate more than I would, his apartment number. Do you know what the, his apartment number is? Mm-mm. It's number 405. What? In LA, that's a, that's a oh, highway. Oh, the 405. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. oh, that is a horrible highway. Yeah. Oh, God. Bad memories of that freaking thing. Uh, Two o'clock in the morning, it's still backed up. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean that's all I got. Awesome. Uh yeah, so what did you what did you think of it? I mean, like you've seen it so many times. How was it the seventh time you've seen it? It's still so good. And but it, it it's it's good not just for the color, no. right? So like why is it good? To you? I I get really sucked into the story. And that was what you know, we were kind of getting at at the beginning. It's like, why make this movie? The story itself is very simple. I mean, on a very macro level, you have a deal gone wrong and a guy wants to keep a girl safe. I mean, that's really all that's in the story. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, you add some interesting wrinkles, I guess, with he's in love with a married woman that he's not even trying to sleep with. Like, there's no, I don't know, subversion there. Mm -hmm. He's just trying to do the right thing. He's got some kind of internal code. I don't know. I... I don't know why I keep getting drawn back to this movie. I think it's what you said earlier. It's the performances just pull you in. And I mean, it's a combination of certainly of the visuals. It's a very easy movie to look at. And the music is kind of enchanting. I guess that's the only way I can put it. It's just enchanting with the the pacing. It sells you on the pacing very early on. You have this, you open on a conversation and then there's like silence for the next 10 minutes. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know either. I mean, the soundtrack is perfect. It's, it's really, it really sells the moments. I loved it. I think honestly, it's the, it's the breath of, of just silence and the, the, the patience that they have making this film. I mean, 
there's something, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's something like, like beautiful about just watching a moment without letting words get in the way and just letting it happen and watching a guy do it so well and a girl. I mean, Jesus, Carrie Mulligan. I was just thinking that I was like, Amazing. I was going to bring at, it up if you didn't. Yeah, <laughs> just as incredible at it as 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 Ryan is, and I mean, I guess we're just talking about Ryan because he is like the the main uh, actor, but but like she is just as good. I mean, even even when she was staring at at Standard when he's make doing his his speech, were you going to say that? No, okay. there's another moment though. But. Okay, well it shows him doing his speech and then her staring at him and you can see the love in her stare up for him. Mm -hmm. But you can also see at the same time, not like a moment and then a moment, but at the same time you can see the longing and the confusion because of her feelings for driver. So I mean, how do you do that? How do you teach that? That's something that's not teachable. That's something that's just you you have it, you know, or you're tapped into some something or some feeling. And then I don't even necessarily think it needs to be a method feeling where you 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 have to have felt that before. It could just is something that's ingrained in you as a human being and that you're able to tap into, that she's able to tap into. Uh yeah. And she is the scene study that she must have done of mm. let me dive into my character. That's one of the other things I love about this movie is none of these characters are really anybody. Right. I mean, she, she works at a store, like she's a clerk somewhere. And I love that. We need more stories of just regular Joe's. Yeah. But she knows who she is. And there's this moment that she turns a single two letter word into this filled with words. She says, okay. At this point, when the clip we played at the beginning, Whenever he's like, I have no tires on my car. That's something you should know about me. She just says, okay. Now on the script, it just says, okay. But she said, what is my character actually feeling in this moment? Or maybe even better, maybe not. But maybe she's in that moment and she's feeling just the feeling flushed. Like, oh my God, this cute guy that I think is just amazing is about to give me a ride home and he's being completely disarming right now in the most boyish way possible. And she just yeah. kind of flushes and she giggles and she's like laughing and her eyes kind of crinkle and it's just like sunlight is spilling out of her face. It's yeah. just absolute magic. Yeah. And I do you did you have this feeling I don't know if you if it maybe it's just me, but like like I had this like longing to be like Gosling's character. Oh, sure. There was for a couple of reasons. One, just his obviously not in the violent moments, but his patience, his like his presentness. It didn't ever feel like he was ever anywhere else, but right there. Yeah. When he was with the kid, when he was with uh, her any time when he was in the bathroom with standard, like it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Um, uh, what was going on? He was right there and nothing else in the entire world mattered except for that. And maybe that's why I identified with it so much and why I enjoy watching it because it's kind of like a, like a goal, like try to be more like that. 
Try to be more quiet. Try to be more patient. Try to be more present. Try to be cooler, man. Yeah. Like that guy, he's just so cool. So cool. Um, and not just cause you know, he's a beautiful man. Like mm -hmm. it's because of his attitude, not having anything to do with his face. I mean, if he could, he could have been anybody, I feel like, and if he would have given that performance, it would have been the same feeling I would have gotten. But you totally buy into him being unflappable. Yeah. Absolutely. To the point where like, even when he's killing someone, you're, 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 I mean, it kind of takes you, he's out of it. He's out of his normal patient, slow self, but he's still, he still is in the moment and he still is himself. It's just this extreme version of it. Of, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's, it's very hard to describe if you haven't seen the movie. So for those of you who've paused yeah. this, <laughs> Yeah. Welcome back. Some people I've heard a theory floated out there that his character is on the spectrum. Mm, okay. And that he only responds and he, he doesn't reach. He doesn't go outside of himself. He kind of waits for things to come to him. And so he's not worried about filling up uh, the air with, because it's awkward and he's just almost unaware of sometimes of if things might come across awkward. He's, very simple and to the point because that's a part of his, uh, I don't know, identity or inherent yeah. core psyche. Yeah. That, I totally get that. I totally do too. Like, I think it's really interesting. I think that's fun to think about. I don't think there's anything you can really point to outside of just making up a theory for it. But I choose to think that he is more just centered and within himself yeah. and he knows who he is and that, I think anytime a person is secure and knows who they are and doesn't have to put on a front or I don't know, reach, then that's what makes everyone around them calm and yeah. you become a, a gravity onto yourself, right? You pull in people at that point. Yeah. And there, even when he's got his hand around that girl's mouth and he's pointing at her, <laughs> he's still very calm and he's whispering. He's not yelling and it just makes you want to tell him the truth even more. It's like, Oh, that's what I need to do with my kids. Whisper point, cover them out. No, no, I never do that. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed it. I would probably give it a, um, I'm going to say a definite eight, if not eight and a half. And, uh, I would say an eight and a half just because I can keep going back to it and watching it over and over again. And I feel like that deserves at least a half point because, you know, there's a lot of movies where I think, Oh my God, that was really good, but I can't, mm. you know, I, I don't want to spend another two hours on that or whatever, but I could watch this movie again tomorrow yeah. and still really enjoy it. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, I think you just moved me from an eight to an eight and a half. Hey, because yeah. <laughs> I was at the same point. I was like, yeah, I'm at an eight. Oh, where's he going with yeah. this? You're right. That yeah. does deserve an extra watchability. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Rewatchability. Well done. Awesome. So what are you going to recommend this week? I'm going to recommend another Nicholas Winding Refn film. Can oh. you guess what it is? Mm. No. Dang it. I'm going to oh, say duh, it. Bronson. Yeah, Bronson. Thank you very much. <laughs> Our friend and, uh. Uh, and my acting love, uh, Tom Hardy. <laughs> in that film. Uh, the, the first that you introduced me, mm -hmm. the, the, the first time I ever saw Tom, Tom Hardy on a screen 
that I knew about. Maybe I did earlier. But same here. No, it was, it was the same for me. You know, was was you recommended? You said watch this movie, and I said okay, and I just melted my frontal lobe. Yeah. Uh, it is unbelievable, unbelievable. I just love. I don't know how much I could watch it again. Yeah. I, I mean, on the that's weird, watchability right? scale, it's pretty much a zero. Right. Uh, but that's because Tom Hardy is amazing in it. And I fell in love with him in this film. Just uh, utter love. Like, I, I don't. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's one of those things where I watched and I was like, Todd has to see this movie. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> this is unbelievable. It's um, so good. Interesting. I'm going to stay on that same line of thought and recommend another Nicholas Winding Refn movie uh, called Pusher. Mm. It was his, I want to say his first big movie. Um, and by, I mean, big relatively. It's a Norwegian film, actually. And so good. And there's a whole trilogy. And the whole trilogy is actually really good. I don't think any of them quite live up to the first one. But definitely all worth watching. So go watch Pusher and get ready to, I don't know, get refined, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's just really cool to see where a director comes from yeah. compared to where he is now, you know? For sure. Gosh. Absolutely. Very cool. So okay. what do you want to do next week? I think we're going to do The Martian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Anytime we can go into outer space. Yes. I'm all for it. Same here. Yeah. I mean, Ridley Scott in space. I'll take that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love it. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Uh, leave us a note. Say if you'd like us to talk about a film and maybe we'll cover it. And if you want to talk about this specific film, if you know why it makes such a sticky movie that we can't help but not take our eyes away from, then you can leave a comment at thepestlepodcast.com slash drive. And we'll leave you with a quote of the day. This one is from Buddha. Three things cannot be long hidden. The sun, the moon, and the truth. I found it really interesting. I was like, I cannot believe the things you're saying right now. When you started talking about how centered he is and how uh, mm. uh, just completely calm and present. I was like, this completely fits into the you know Buddha. And I, that was the reason I went to Buddha. I was like, oh, wow. I do want to see what Buddha has to say because he feels very zen yeah. and just constantly in the moment. And I just obviously love this quote because he can't hide who he is, which is his ultimate truth. Right. Um, as much as he would like to not be a scorpion or you mm -hmm. know, a violent person. Yeah. Well, and that's a, it's an interesting thing because he... Yes, he's a violent person, but I think we all are in some way. There's some kind of, there's a little bit of violence in all of us. Obviously, I don't think there's that amount, but he's very extreme. He's, like we said, he's very in the moment. So, like, whatever the moment calls for, he's that 100%, you know, almost yeah. like a child. Yeah. In a way. Um, um, and so, a guy without a gun, 100% violent, is a lot stronger than a guy with a gun who's. 90% violent uh, as long as he can get close enough to it. Right. But yeah, no, this is a beautiful quote. I, I really like it a lot and I can only hope that the uh, the truth aspect will, will show its head in every realm of society. Uh, Agreed. Especially today. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it's beautiful. Good, good, uh, good call there. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this uh, review of Drive. Again, join us next week where we're going to be covering The Martian. 
very looking forward to that. And as Wes said earlier, please make sure to review us and subscribe and share it with your friends and everything. That really helps us along. And uh, give us a suggestion on what we should cover and tell us what we're doing wrong or doing right. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, Until next time, I'm Todd. I'm Wes. Go watch some movies. (laughs) 